You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, it's a treat to come and be with you this morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I get to be here. And I have a great affection for Dave and Heather and for Mike and Mindy. I have a lot of great memories. I have some funny ones. I won't share those so much, but uh, uh, I want you to know how much I admire your pastor. I've had the treat of training a lot of young men and women over 30-some years of ministry, and I have a little inner circle of those few that I've just been privileged to keep walking and stay steady and become deeply rooted, and Dave would be one of those. And so I just want you to know from my perspective, you are one blessed congregation to have Dave as a pastor. And as Dave said, I'm I'm really grateful to have the chance to come and be with you and to talk on the theme of leadership. My, My most recent book, An Unhurried Leader, just came out a couple of months ago. And a lot of people will hear that title and they think, unhurried? Leader? Those words don't go together. That doesn't work. Let me just tell you what I'm trying to talk about when I talk about unhurried leadership or an unhurried leader. One, unhurried. What in the world do I mean by that? Do I mean you ought to live your life on a lazy boy with ESPN on the screen? You know, is that what I'm talking about? Or is it possible that when I say unhurried, I'm actually using a word that I think is a beautiful and perfect description of Jesus? That Jesus is unhurried enough to give you his full attention when you come to him. Jesus in the Gospels is unhurried enough to stop when there's a person on the side of the road in need and his disciples have a major agenda to get to the next town. Jesus is unhurried. Jesus is unhurried no matter how big the crowds get to do as the Gospel of Luke chapter 5 says, that he often withdraws the lonely places to pray. I don't know about you, but if the crowds are excited about something I'm doing, I just want to keep doing it until they stop getting excited about it. And Jesus knew that what the crowds say about us is not the last word. What the Father says about us is always the last word. And so Jesus is unhurried. And my life for the last number of years has been an experiment in what would it look like if I saw myself as a man who was following an unhurried Savior? What would that do to my relationships? What would that do to my work? What would that do to transform my life? Now, the passage that I want to talk about this morning is is a favorite. It's one of the ones I've come to often. And it's uh, found in Isaiah chapter 55. First three verses. And what I want to do is just take a moment and I want you to hear these words. You probably, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard them before, right? I want you to hear them this morning as an invitation. A very personal invitation. This is an invitation to the planet. This isn't just an invitation to, you know what, the state of California or the city of Elk Grove. This is a very, very personal invitation that's being extended to you right now 
right where you find yourself. You ever go out to the mailbox and you pull out the mail and, well, you see the flyers. They aren't very exciting. And you see the bills, even less exciting. Every once in a while, you see something that's got pen on the front of it. Remember pens? Right? That thing's been hand-addressed. How do you feel? You feel good, man. That's amazing. That's a gift. And what if it's an invitation to something or to be with someone you really, really like? And they just sort of make your day. That's the kind of invitation I'm talking about. This thing is personal. This is handwritten by someone who knows you and has a very great affection for you. And this is what the invitation says. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and drink. You who have no money, come, buy, eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Did you hear the words of invitation? Come, listen, buy, eat. Come, listen, buy, eat. Those are very critical invitations for all of us. And so the first one is the invitation to come. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Come to me. And who is he making this invitation to? The very first invitation is, come, you who are thirsty. How are you thirsty these days? What does thirsty look like for you? I'll tell you some of the ways thirsty looks for me. One of the signs that I know I'm thirsty is I'm worrying. Do you, any of you ever worry? Right? One or two of you? Yeah, a little bit. Lately I've been thinking maybe Jesus is right about worry. Maybe... It doesn't actually add anything to my life, like my lifespan or my height. or Maybe it doesn't add anything. Maybe Jesus is right about it. Maybe when I come to him and listen to him, I could buy what he's saying. I could trust him. I could find confidence that he knows what he's talking about. He's a pretty smart guy, Jesus is. He's pretty good at what he does, don't you think? And so if he says, don't worry, he's not just giving you some, you know, nice advice that doesn't really fit because he doesn't know what's going on with you. He is talking about reality. You live in a kingdom if you've entrusted yourself to this Savior that is a perfectly safe place to live your life. 
even if things are hard, even if they get awfully bumpy, even if it hurts. The kingdom that Jesus comes to announce, the kingdom that he says, come to me, listen to me, buy from me, eat what I provide, is a very good and beautiful place to live our lives. And that's the place to which we're invited. And then in specific, he invites us to come to the waters. If we're thirsty, what better place to go than the waters? Do you remember that time Jesus, maybe this is a familiar passage, he's standing in the temple the last day of one of the big festivals he cries out in a loud voice to the crowd and he says to everyone are you thirsty come to me those who believe in me it will be as though rivers of living water flow from within them isn't that an amazing invitation did you hear what was happening there he says bring thirst And I will transform it into rivers of water. I grew up real close to the American River. Rode my bike there all the time. Hoffman Hoffman Park. And it was just, you know, the rivers. That's what I picture when I hear the rivers. Not like when it's low during the middle of the year, but like when the storms have really come and things are rushing. You don't want to be sitting on a raft on it. You bring thirst and I will transform it. If you trust me, if you buy what I'm saying, I will transform that into rivers of living water. Your life will not just be quenched in terms of thirst. Your life will become a source of refreshment and renewal for the people nearby. That's how the kingdom is supposed to work. God wants to do something so good in us that it just fills us. I mean, this, this little bottle is only half full now, but it was full when I got it. And God was, just wants to keep pouring into my life so that my life becomes full until it can't hold anymore. And what am I going to do with all this extra? Maybe I could share it with others. Maybe I could be a blessing. Maybe instead of being a person with needs, I'd be a person with extra. I'd be a person with abundance. That is the invitation of come, listen, buy, eat. See, a water deficit when we bring it to God becomes a water surplus. And then finally, hear that this is an invitation that is very personal. He says, come to me. Now this morning, you came to this building. I'm glad you did. But did you know you were coming to something more than just that? More than just a gathering of this community, which is such a gift, such an opportunity. But you came this morning in response to a far more personal invitation. You came because God was inviting you to come. You're here as his guest, and he is so pleased that you are here in this place. You are with him. You're not just with everybody here. You are, and that's good. But he says, come to me. And you can do that on a Sunday morning at 9. You could do that on a Monday morning at 10. You could do that at a Thursday evening at 7. 
At every moment of your life, Jesus is saying to you, come to me. Come, follow me. Come, be with me. I would love to walk this journey with you. Are you hearing that invitation? Do you sense how personal it is? And so whether you've been sitting in these rows of chairs for years and years and years, whether this is one of the very first times you've ever been here, this invitation to come is one that is being very personally extended to you. Come. And God extends this invitation to come to us right in the midst of all of our goings. You ever feel like your life is just sort of a go, 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 go kind of life? That's the hurried thing. You know what that feels like. Sometimes I get so busy, I just forget that I'm living my life in the presence of someone who knows me, cares about me, is with me. I mean, I'm in ministry, and so the weirdest thing of all is to be busy doing things for God, and I don't have time for God. It's the weirdest thing in the world, but it happens. It can happen in any of our lives. At every single moment, wherever we are going, Jesus is saying, come. Let's do this together. Come to me. And then having come, then there's another invitation. And the invitation is an invitation to listen. Listen, he says. Listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Listen. And then it's personal. Listen to me. I mean, so for example, if... If you take your Bible and you open it up, maybe you're in a a devotional plan. There's some way that you've been going through Scripture in your own life. That's a beautiful thing to do. But you're not reading the Bible as an assignment. You're reading the Bible as a meeting, as a conversation, as a personal encounter. You're spending time in the presence of the one who wrote those words. That makes such an immense difference. This morning... I was staying with Dave and Heather, and I got up kind of early as the sun was just starting to peek up, and I just kind of walked the neighborhood, just had these verses in mind. Come, listen. And it was quiet, you know. Heard a bullfrog. I haven't heard a bullfrog in decades. We don't have a ton of those in Southern California, as it turns out. I was just listening. I was thinking, oh, God, you do good work. What a treat it'll be to be with your people later this morning at Sun Grove. I just listened. I'm trying to learn how to listen more often. Not just when I gather with God's people like we all have done this morning, but all the time. Just learning how to listen. It's kind of a lost art. See, when I trained for ministry, I took a bunch of classes on how to talk. I don't remember one about how to listen. Our culture isn't very good at listening these days, is it? People are talking past each other. This guy's yelling about this, and this guy's yelling about that. and They're just not connecting, are they? There's not a lot of listening happening. God invites us 
to listen. And God extends this invitation to us in the midst of all our speaking. It's a wordy world in which we live. And so as you listen, what is it that God might be wanting to say to you? I think for some of you, if there was an opportunity for God to just, for Jesus to come and look you in the eye and say something personal, I think for some of you, he would want to look you right in the eye and say, don't you worry, I'm here. You're not alone right now. You feel alone, but you're not alone. I'm with you. Trust me. There are others of you, I think, if Jesus had a chance to look you in the eye and say something personal to you that he wanted you more than anything to hear, I think he would say, do you know how beloved you are to me? How special you are? Not because of stuff you do. Not because of your achievements. Not because of your impressive appearance. I just love you. You know, I'm a dad of three sons. Two of them are taller than me now, so you can guess their ages are not three, five, and seven. And I remember when they were little, though, and I would walk in, it would be late in the night, they were asleep in bed. Maybe it was a bad day and they were fighting. Three boys will do that occasionally, you know. And I would just watch them. I would just look at them, sleeping there. And I'd just think, Man, I love these guys. I cannot believe I get to be a dad to three sons. And I'm a very imperfect father. But there is a perfect father who looks at you right now, mistakes and all, struggles and all, frustrations and all, and he says, You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. That that's the truest thing there is to say about you. And that's not just a nice piece of poetry. That's reality. Just as real as the gravity that would catch me if I stepped off this stage. Listen. Come. To me, he says, and listen to me. The third invitation is the invitation to buy. Now, just in popular language, we use this language, right? I don't buy that. What do we mean? Does it mean we're not willing to pull our wallet out of our pocket? That's not what we're talking about, is it? I don't buy that. What do you mean? I don't believe you. I don't trust what you're saying doesn't ring true. I'll tell you that one of the places I get stuck, and maybe you do too, is between the listen and the buy. I've heard a lot of sermons. I've heard a lot of studies. I've heard a lot of teaching in almost 40 years following Jesus. But do I buy it? When I'm worrying like a crazy man, I don't think I'm buying it. 
I'm not buying that the one who is with me is keeping me safe. That the one who is with me is good and I can count on him. I really can. Again, this isn't just a wonderful little fairy tale from a time long, long ago. This is now, here, real, true, reliable, faithful truth. Why? The text says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. See, buy is the language of personal investment. We buy without money or cost. You ever tried that at the local grocery? You like fill your cart, go up to the uh, checkout and say, I'd like to buy, I've heard there's an option for buying without money. I was reading my Bible this morning. I'm sure you guys would honor that just as surely as God does. So I'd like to just walk out with this cart full without money. Now, they're not going to be as uh, excited about that arrangement as God is about the invitation he is extending. Can you imagine that God is extending you an invitation to, to buy, to, to take hold of good things, and it's not coming out of your wallet. It's coming out of his. That's the language of grace. It's a funny thing about grace. I remember as a junior in high school at El Camino High School in Sacramento, I went forward at a concert. It was being held downtown. And there was a guy up front, and he was giving an invitation. And I thought, this sounds pretty good. I'm a, I think I want in on this. And I prayed a particular little kind of prayer. And that day, something changed. Something changed in me. It was an invitation. But nobody asked for my resume when I got there. Nobody sort of interviewed me to see if I was worth being there or I deserved to be there, or I'd earned enough to be there. I was coming to receive a gift. Can you hear that? Now, that's, that kind of grace isn't just for the first step of the journey. That grace is every single step after. Every step of your life, every single step, is a step of response to the generous grace of God. You can't earn it. By definition, grace doesn't work that way. You can't earn favor in the presence of God. You can only receive it. Will you? He so wants you to. He's saying, come, listen, buy. And there's only one question in that whole extended Isaiah 55 passage that we read together at the beginning. Why spend money on what is not bread? Why spend labor on what does not satisfy? Hmm. It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Why would you do that? Why would you spend money on something you can't actually eat? And yet, when we bring our thirsts somewhere other than to Jesus. That's 
really what we're doing. We're buying things that can never satisfy us. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Some way or another, you find yourself tempted and then you sort of step into that place and it's kind of exciting for a moment. You know, like, you know, you, you change lanes and some guy cuts you off and you've got a few choice words for them. You know, I don't know no one in this room, but I'm just speaking theoretically that this could happen. It might happen, you know. You, you fall to the temptation to sort of rage and revenge. And then just a few minutes later, you don't feel so hot about that. It didn't do as much for you as you thought it was going to do. It might have actually been better for your soul to learn how to forgive a person who treats you that way. It might actually be better for you. It might taste better. It might be more nourishing. It might help us a lot if we'd learn to buy more and more of what God is selling. It might make an immense difference in our lives. Now, God extends this invitation to us in the midst of all of our selling. We're tempted to see the Christian life and church about being about what we sell. We want people to see things the way we do. We want, uh, we want people to be convinced of something we're saying. We want to motivate or recruit or even, God forbid, manipulate others. Before we, we become sellers, we need to be buyers. Would you like to be a person of influence, talking about leadership? Would you like to make a difference in the lives of others, whether or not you have a position that sounds like or looks like a leadership title? I'll tell you that one of the most important things you could ever do is buy what you're trying to sell. I mean, buy it deeply. The gospel, the good news about Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, trust that to the depths of who you are. Let that bear fruit in your life, and you will most certainly be a person of great influence. You just will. I guarantee it. And then the final invitation, just very simply, it's the invitation to eat and to delight, to enjoy what we're eating Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. If you don't have money, come and buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Again, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? You see, God is extending to us rich and good things. He wants to meet us in our thirsts. He wants to meet us in our hungers. I remember one time I was sitting at a park and uh, I was a part of a training group. We were just trying to spend a few hours just alone with God for no other reason than, than to listen. And that scared the pants off me. I didn't know what in the world to do with that. I knew how to study the Bible. I knew how to plan a program. I knew how to do all kinds of things. But to be with God, very unfamiliar. Sitting at a table, I'm saying, God, what do I do? I don't know how to do this. Jesus withdrew lonely places all the time to be with the Father. And I'm sitting here for just 10 minutes and I'm itchy. And I remember I'm sitting there and well, I guess I could read the Bible. So I read the Bible for a while. And 
sitting there a while longer, nothing's happening. I feel like I'm wasting time. But I'd been invited to come and listen and buy and eat. And as I'm sitting there, just a very strong thought came to mind. And the, the thought was this, sounded silly. The thought was, go swing on the swings. I'm kind of a big guy. These were kind of little swings, you know, like three-year-old swings, the kind where I'd hit my forehead on the cross beam if I wasn't careful. And I'm thinking, well, if that happens to be God speaking to me, it's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I figured if God was going to speak to me, one, it would maybe be something in the Bible. That'd be safe and good. That happens. Or at least I could preach it. I don't know how I'm going to preach, go swing on the swings. And I wrestled, because there were some moms with their little kids over there. And here are this big Ophi, you know. I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> Obeying God, I'm going to get arrested. And I forget any particularly good reason. I finally just kind of with my tail between my legs, walked over to the little playground. Here's the little, and I sort of put myself halfway in the swing. And I started swinging. And immediately another thought, kind of like the first one came, and it was something like this. Alan, you know you're my beloved son, don't you? I could have preached that. I'd read that in the Bible. I knew the fact of that. just feels a little different when you're sitting in a little kid's swing hearing it. If I could leave you with only one thing this morning, it would be exactly that that exactly where you find yourself these days, whether this feels like a glorious season of life or a really hard season of life, you are loved. God wants you to know that and hear that and trust that. Now, God extends this invitation to us in the midst of all of our serving or feeding others or helping others. You know, yesterday I flew from Orange County up and, you know, anytime you fly, you hear that flight attendant's counsel, if we lose pressure, an oxygen mask is going to fall from up there and if, if you're traveling with little ones, please put your mask on first. That's actually pretty good spiritual advice. I work with a lot of leaders who are tired and thirsty, and out of breath. And one of the things I want to say to those of you who may be in relationships of influence or positions of influence, please let God take good care of you. Please let him be a good shepherd to you. Unhurried leader. It's not a label for just 10% of this audience. Every single one of you is invited to a place and a position of influence in your neighborhood, in your workplace, among your friends. It's a great honor. Come, listen, buy, eat. Would you pray with me? You are so good to us when we come to you. 
when we open our hearts and open our minds to listen. When we let ourselves trust that what you say is truer than our worries, truer than our frustrations, truer than our insecurities or doubts. I want to pray for each one here that for each one of us, we would hear your Father's heart extending this invitation. Come to me, listen to me, trust me. Enjoy what I'm providing. Lord, it would be so good for us, each one of us, to take a next step in that way. And these things I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. 